When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The show goes on. The official show on the Fish Stripes podcast. I'm Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fish Stripes, wishing you a happy new year. Hopefully the last guy to wish you a happy new year. We're already like a full week into it. Bringing the heat to the program today, Mr. Marlins Barbecue, Alex Contreras. Alex, what is, what's your rule with the happy new year greetings? How long into the new year can you still wish a person a happy new year before like, move on with your life? Two days. That's it. <laughs> Two days. Hey, happy new year to everybody, man. Happy new year to all the Fish Stripe followers, everybody on Twitter, Marlins Nation, Marlins Twitter Nation. Shout out to uh, Fish on the Farm, man. Did a great job on Marlins Twitter Madness. Uh, back to back years on there, man. Fish Stripes are really giving everybody a run for their money, man. Uh, really proud to, to see our community coming together. In a in a middle of a, a crisis where the damn owners can't seem to get on the same page with the players, and it's a damn shame, you know. Um. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sidetracking here, I was watching Ballers, so it kind of reminds me a little bit about Ballers. If you ever saw Ballers with Dwayne Johnson? I know it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of just reminded me like at the end, you know what I'm saying? It was like the players want this and the owners want another. It's like, damn, let's just get on the same page. Let's do it for the players, baby. Let's just do it for the players. We are, yeah, we're five and a half weeks now into this lockout since things came to a pause. I was, I gave some people the wrong idea. You know, I was of the impression that not that it was going to be resolved quickly, but that we'd still have some spicy things to talk about when it was shut down. We'll see how it goes, but but I think a lot of fans are going to sympathize with the players on how this is progressing. Um, uh, but I, I guess at the moment, right, everybody is kind of in the crosshairs because all indications are that there's no active negotiations whatsoever between the two sides. So that's what's hard to understand, right, is that we're, we're now almost a full week into the new year. Everybody's we're like two weeks after Christmas. Everybody's back from their vacations, whatever they were at, you know, from personal time. Um Everybody should be refreshed and, you know, ready to go and feeling some urgency. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It's all all crickets out there right now. 
A thousand percent, man. Yeah, it's a big disappointment. Not not even having one or two meetings between the players' association and and the owners. You know, like, come on, Commission, what are you doing? Why do you get paid the big bucks? What does he get paid? Like eleven million dollars a year or something like that? Don't quote me on it, but damn. Come on, man. What what the hell do you got to do? What are the requirements for you to be the commissioner? Every day doc, I find myself going to ZipRecruiter.com looking for the MLB commission. Apply for it, man. You know what I'm saying? What the, what the requirements are, what what they really look for. Like, what what what's this guy's background? What he's, it had to be something with law or finance or something besides douche. You can't be a master in douche. <laughs> you reminded me of a tweet that I saw a couple of days ago when somebody like put it out there. What's the worst contract in baseball? And yeah, somebody said Rob Manfred has the worst deal in baseball. Whatever they're paying him is is way too much to, yeah, to like at every turn, just trying to, it, it's seemingly trying to make baseball seem more and more unlikable and get, like put up all these, getting in the way every way that he can. I mean, and the latest straw was parting ways with Ken Rosenthal. I think everybody loves Ken Rosenthal and it's hard to be like that popular as a national media member, but he, for people that haven't heard, he'd been with MLB network ever like since it started 12, 13 years now. And they didn't renew wow. his contract to appear on MLB network uh, moving forward. So it's going to be the first time without him. And it's all because of his criticism of Manfred. The fact that in past columns that he's been critical of the way that things have come to a pause and how, just calling out all the things that we're calling out on Twitter, but just because he has a larger platform and even though everything he said was fair, you know, when, when, when you're in that position, when you're kind of like, when you can't deal with the criticism so much that you're trying to shut down everybody that is, has a dissenting view of you. I mean, that's the worst way to go about it. You can't, you can't win if you're, if you're doing that, it's just going to embolden more people to step up and rally behind the fact that, yeah, he's not leading this thing in the right direction. He's not leading baseball in any direction, really. That's how it really feels. Um, I feel like he's tearing us apart instead, instead of uniting us. You know, when's the last time you seen Eli? When's the last time you seen a major league baseball commercial? Forever ago, exactly. You know what I'm saying? What happened? To, what happened? To all these great campaigns major league baseball would do. You know, I, I remember this. Uh, I lived for this campaign. It was in the 2000s, and you would see, like, different players. You'd see – I remember they had the specific one on the D-Train. You know what I'm saying? It'd be, like, flashes of, like, a train, pro player stadium, him pitching, the crowd going wild, and then it'd be like, I live for this. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a whole series of them. Why the hell don't we have a campaign for this? What's going on, MLB? Oh, man, transitioning here. Uh, let's talk about the job Kim Ang has done. Here at the throne, what she been here a year and a half now, and uh, yeah, I think at this moment, not even that. It's just a little over a year, you know, since November twenty twenty. So, since the start of last off season, yeah. Well, two two key guys that stood out that she acquired, you know, uh, Joy Wendell. I was super like happy that we acquired that guy as a utility guy. You know, you could put him all over the place, third, second. Uh, I think he did a little bit of short, some outfield corner outfields. I've never seen him out in center field. Statistically, I don't think he's ever played out in center field, uh, but I could be wrong on that. Um, excited to have a guy like that come into our clubhouse. You know, he's going to bring in some leadership, that bat, uh, nice glove. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to give a lot of options to Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly and the Miami Marlins. You know, uh, I think uh, a lot of people would take advantage and look at a whole different types of lineups you know versatility i think is a, a key word if you got to look at this lineup right yeah you have some 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 problems you know right now uh i think in playing time when it comes down to like cooper and aguilar 
and uh, Diaz and Garcia and all these guys, a plethora of, of outfielders that we have, but we don't really have a clear cut center fielder. Um, I've ranted about this in the past, you know, like I, I, everybody was going happy on Twitter spaces when we signed Garcia and that was all cool. And I didn't want to come in and crash the party, but I just felt like this is, this is cool and all, but everybody does understand we're, we're in the market looking for a center fielder. And I just feel like this team still needs a center fielder. And, and I think the strike, this whole thing is kind of messed up the, the momentum Kim and the Marlins had going into winter. And I mean, the center fielder that they could have had, they had originally, you know, you turn back the clock six months and they have Starling Marte showing mutual interest and in staying with the team and negotiating that extension. And to this point during the Kim Ang era, I mean, that's like the number one complaint that people can deservedly have is letting Starling get away when he wanted to stay. When, you know, if we just put our trust in the reporting of Craig Mish about the figures involved, you know, they were talking about a very reasonable amount of money on a four-year deal, ends up getting four years, $78 million from the Mets. And the, the Marlins could have had him for a fraction of that for maybe four and 50. And if they had, and you added Garcia to the mix, then all of a sudden you'd be feeling a whole lot more confident and the decisions would be simpler. You know, you that's putting a nice view of it that they have some tricky decisions to make with the outfield, that they have a lot of possibilities with their outfield. But that's just another way of saying that they don't have a whole lot of sure things in there, right? They, you know, they, they don't have a center fielder. And he, he was the one that we saw even at the stage of his career, he's playing a great defensive center field. And he's one of the best offensive center fielders. So the fact that he got away and that even though they tried again in free agency, kind of predictably going, going to the highest bidder, he got away that way. And then for me, what we were talking about a lot on fish stripes, both myself and some others, is that a good fallback plan would have been Chris Taylor from the Dodgers, who the last handful of years, he's been about as good a hitter as Starling has been. And yet he can play all those other infield positions when you need him to. He has incredible versatility. His asking price, we thought it'd be even cheaper than Starling was. And it, and it did turn out to be that way. But the problem is, like, he was happy where he was at with the Dodgers. So he ends up going back to the Dodgers right before the lockout. That was one of the final free agent deals that went down, you know, before the stoppage is him staying in L.A. And without him and without Starling, then you looked at free agency and there's nothing in terms of the center fielder front. All you, you got to pigeonhole some corner outfielders in that spot. And I mean, we could talk about some of them, but that's, that's the thing is that this was a position that is very thin, that the possibilities out there in free agency were very few and entering the off season, it didn't look like the Marlins would have a great shot at them. And as it turns out, they didn't get them. And that leaves you down the situation where you're either stuck with what you have and doing something really creative or betting on guys internally that haven't done a whole lot at that position in their careers, or you go out and make a big trade. And I think that's what people have their fingers crossed about now is that they're going to somehow, some way trade for that kind of caliber of player, because there are a few of them out there, but they're not you know, necessarily available, right? Like you can see the Marlins wanting them, but those are the type of star players that usually don't get moved. And when you have them, you try to keep them. And the Marlins are just, they got to get lucky and they may have to overpay to make that kind of trade and really sure up that position. Well, man, I just hope we didn't jump the gun. You know what I'm saying? Like last year, we jumped the gun thinking that we were going to get that, that designated hitter incorporated into the season and it came and bit at us in the ass. So hopefully, you know, we do get that DH when they eventually do decide to sit down. Uh, 
the players association and the owners um i think yeah if the marlins we messed up man we we, we had the fish on the hook with Marte. we had him we had him hooked we just cut the reel we let him go damn it you know what i'm saying people were so happy when he went to oakland he was on a tear when he went to oakland my goodness that's that's what landed him that contract with the with the mets and um but whatever, you know, uh, happy to have Garcia. The, the the logic I see in signing a guy like Garcia is it's the Marlins are trying to get as much offense as possible, you know. Um, and I'm, uh, my, my, my main concern is what's that combination going to be in the outfield? You know, yeah. are we going to are we going to put uh, obviously you got to put it in Garcia. You just signed him. Right. And then you got to think about, all right, do we want to give that bat to Sanchez or do you want to give him to Coop? Or do you want to have Coop at first base and take it bats away from Aggie? And then, you know what I'm saying? What's the whole situation with Diaz, Luwin Diaz? You know what I'm saying? You want to get at bats for Luwin Diaz. You want to let the young guys play too, right? So it's kind of like a mixed signal. You know what I mean? Like I would not mind the signing of a center fielder and be like, okay, all right, great. But do we want to get to a point that maybe we want to experiment with our guys? Now we got a window. Maybe we got the flexibility. Maybe, hey, you know, let's let's kick the the tires. Maybe Wendell can play out in center field. The birdie could be a solution out in center field, right? Uh, maybe Jazz. You know what I'm saying? Just just to try to figure it out internally. But do we want to do that internally? Like, I mean, they just we've been talking about spend some money, spend some money as a fan base. We finally spend some money. People are a little bit excited, but it's still not fixing the problem that we had. Because not not for nothing, I was super excited to see Sanchez. Get more at bats, and I hope they don't take more at bats away from him just because of the situation that we have now. Everybody forgets about Magnier Sierra; he's completely out the equation now. You know, like that's how it feels. Um, Louis Louis Brinson, you know, long gone. Like so now, now the thing is going to be like, what 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 Marlin uh, are we going to keep, or what Diaz are we going to keep? Are we going to keep Diaz up in the in the in the in the majors? Is going to be Eason or is it going to be Lewin? And it all depends on that on that deal. What do you think? How would you handle the situation? Would you even, you got Wendell, throw him at third. If anything happens, you, you don't want to talk about injuries or anything, but hey, throw BA out in right field. Shit, man, you got to think about all these different scenarios and why not? Like yeah. Don Madden Lee's not one of these these managers that's going to, like, I, I, I don't want, I hate to compare him to like John Madden, but it's like the only guy that could come to my mind right now that he likes putting guys in like multiple positions. Right, like all of a sudden you could you could be starting left field for him, or you can be behind catcher, you be the third baseman or first baseman, whatever. Like whatever the team needed at that day, and I think this team how it's built is cool. You can do that, you know. We could resolve, but do you want to go day by day just plugging in, playing a center fielder, or are you just gonna go in with the mentality of everybody's just gonna play and we're gonna rotate everybody? There's there's a lot of that excitement about the versatility, but there's also still this logjam at first base and DH where we know Aggie, aside from the occasional delight at third base, you know, he's he's a first baseman, but it's one position. With with Cooper, he has gotten plenty of reps in the corner spots the last two years, but especially in 2021, it was ugly. He was really bad when they put him in right. His best position is first base. And with Lewin, uh, from start to finish in his minor league career, he's been at first base because he's amazing out there. If you saw the defensive stats from him last season, he was nearly perfect out there. By any measure, one of the best defensive first basemen in the whole league. So if he can hit anywhere close to what he showed in AAA, then he's really the best of the bunch as an all-around player. We haven't seen him do it yet. Even when you have like a DH spot in the equation, uh the reason why it's like hard to look forward is because I really still expect one of those guys to get traded. And it could be any of those guys. Uh, the easiest one would be Aggie because he's just a year away from free agency anyway. 
and he's the most expensive. And if they feel like they have other needs to address on the roster, and they do, uh, that we could get to, and they want to allocate money to that, then they can basically like salary dump him to another team that doesn't have the same luxury. Uh, and Cooper is kind of in the middle where, in my opinion, he's the one that I like his bat the most. I think of those three that um, going forward, he's the one that I trust the most to really rake and to hit for power and to like actually get on base in the first place. He's just a really well-rounded hitter. And even though he's coming off Tommy John surgery and he's, he's almost as old as Aggie is, he's now in his 30s, that he, he still has decent trade value if they were to go that way. Um, and, I mean, an idea that people haven't talked about a whole lot is trading Lewin, and I don't think it's that crazy. You know, they were really excited to get him a couple of years ago, and he's done his job in the minors. You know, he has performed really well in the minors, and I just said about his defense. It's amazing, but it's, it's at the position in first base where like, it, it's just like being the prettiest girl in a school that has – 20 people in it that first base defense isn't that important and like it doesn't make that much it doesn't give you like a real mm. idea of your impact on the game at playing defense at first base that bat needs to play the position and he's the one guy that you know he hasn't hit in the majors yet he didn't we finally got to see him in the majors down the stretch last year and he had a couple exciting moments he had a walk off against the pirates that i loved but he didn't hit that well in the majors to this point in his career at a position where you really need to hit. So it's not the craziest thing to me that you might want to, if, if you're happy with the vets that you have at that spot and you want to flip him to address another need on the team, I think that's another creative possibility that is very much within the realm of possibilities. Like that's got to be on the table if they find the right fit for him. I know what you're saying, but I, I, I disagree. And this is the beauty of it. You know what I'm saying? That we can sit here, we can agree, disagree. And yeah. I just feel like it, Cooper would be the odd man out for me. You know what I'm saying? We got to give Aguilar more, more, more credit. You know, last year this guy was in the running for a top RBI guy with Duvall. You know, yeah. um, unfortunately he went down at the end of the season with uh with the injury. But I think Coop is a guy that he's he's been very injury prone. You know, he's a guy right. that yeah, like yeah, so just to remind people of how this like recent one happened. It was right in the middle of the season. He was at first base. And it was the type of play that anybody, it could happen to anybody. He's just reaching out to catch the ball at first base, and it's reaching into the base runner, and the base runner just, like, chops off his elbow. You know, not literally, but it's a collision. The runner goes straight into his elbow because he was, like, hovering it over the bag, and it, you know, it extended too far, you know, and it turned out to be a tear in, in the ligament. So with him, there's been just some unlucky ones. He missed, um, what year was it? I guess it was either... It must have been 2018, where at the very start of the year, he gets hit by a pitch on the wrist. He comes back from that too quickly, and he hurts the wrist even more. But it was on a, a hit by pitch that he ends up suffering what was a, a season-ending injury in April uh, to his wrist. He's been unlucky, is what I'm saying. It's a combination of you know, being big and being clumsy and also being a little bit unlucky. So you, you, you could talk about the past and how Aggie has been more reliable in the past, but when you're looking forward um, in terms of what, which of those guys you think is more durable moving forward, I don't think it's a big difference. I think you need to just focus on who you like more as a player. And so I guess that's really where the debate is. I, uh, I want more at bats for Lewin. I feel like he, he's, he's getting judged too quickly. Like I feel what you're saying, but I feel like he also needs more at bats. He needs more reps. Like he's constantly thinking about, all right, Aggie, Aggie or Coop, 
you know, like, come on, man, let, let the kid just play. And he's a left-handed bat, you know what I'm saying? It's nice for the lineup. That's my mentality on it, anyway. But uh, speaking one last thing on this, yo, what's up with Aggie, though? He just gave up his number 24 like that to, to Avisayo Garcia, and it was just like, hey, man, welcome to Miami, yeah. have no, number 24. Aggie spoke about that. He said it was, like, consensual. He, he gave a heads up. You know, they know each other, both Venezuelan guys that I think he asked Aggie ahead of time. I'll have to actually find the exact story on that. But it was, you know, it was all simpatico. They're all right. Um, I'm, not ah. sure, I'm not sure what – We'll have to find out what Aggie's new number is going to be, though. That's that's the thing is that uh, we know one side of the equation, but I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, well, we'll again, I think it's still up in the air whether they're going to be playing together in the first place. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe maybe Aggie suspects that there could be a deal go, going down on the other side of the lockout, and that's why he wasn't feeling too attached to it. That's that's hey, one possibility. You're a wise guy, Mister Sussman. I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Hey, um, so, all right, man. Let me let me talk to you about one guy that we forgot to mention that Kim deserves a lot of credit for. We got to talk about Jacob Stallings. Huh? How we went from having the guy with the most pass balls to the guy with no pass balls. How epic is that? Yeah, you, you can't go any further on that aspect of the game, and it goes more than just the pass balls. It, goes to just like the situational understanding of how to call a game you know the pitchers on the marlin staff especially in 2020 remember when alfaro was benched for chad wallach like they were they were not shy about kind of implying that that they weren't on the same page with alfaro that even though alfaro has been a catcher you know his whole pro career dating back to the minors like a whole decade of experience that um there still wasn't like an understanding of what pitch to call and what situation and how to set it up in a way, how to like properly set up hitters to, to put them away. And I mean, the stats don't really bear that out, but it just anecdotally, it was clear that that Alfaro wasn't getting what we're just a lot of people would say is the most important part of being a catcher is having that really firm and like being able to have a, a mind meld with your pitcher, be on the exact same page with what your pitcher is trying to do, and that. Those instincts, you know, there's you could study it, but really some of that is just like embedded in you. And Alfaro didn't really have that quality. The Padres are going to give him a shot. Stallings definitely has that quality in terms of just totally having a mastery of the position of how to use these pitches. And as you said, how to block the pitches as well when they're coming his way. Not just the pass balls. You know, the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is wild pitches. We like to draw a line between them. You know, one of them is the pitcher's fault, one of them is the catcher's fault. Uh, but to be honest, the catcher has a lot of impact on both of those. You know, the catcher has a lot of impact on those balls in the dirt that otherwise could get away from a lesser player. But Stallings, if you look at it that way, when he was with the Pirates, you know, he was doing a better job um, overall in terms of preventing wild pitches as well. So it was really uh, on, in all aspects of being able to defend his position in that way being a decent thrower and 
being able to like allow these pitchers to get more comfortable with their sequencing and all that. So I, I, I love the move and especially what they gave up. I didn't feel they gave up anybody that was all that essential to who they had my dream. And it was still, I think the best thing they could have done. It was on the table is somehow bring over Wilson Contreras because Stallings, I'm kind of worried about Stallings bad. That's the thing. If, if you want to be at all worried, um, he does not hit the ball hard at all. Like his most famous moment as a hitter was this walk-off grand slam that he hit last year uh, against the Mets and Edwin Diaz. And it's so famous just because off the bat, it looked like a pop-up and it, it, like it kind of defied all the laws of physics getting over the wall. Like it, there was no way it should have been able to make it. And it was able to just clear it by like the tiniest of margins. And that, that ended up being enough. But that's the type of stuff that's not going to work for him at Lone Depot Park. So he was having enough trouble hitting for power as a pirate. I don't think he's going to hit for any power at all with the Marlins. And it's going to be not a defense-only player, but that's going to be a whole lot of his value. It's putting a lot of pressure on him to still be a gold glove caliber guy. I think he could do it at least for the first year of this deal, at least for 2022 as an upgrade. It's going to be different. You know, if if people are expecting him to – be night and day difference from the catching situation last year. I don't think it's quite that simple. He's an upgrade, but he's not perfect. I um, I got a couple jokes here. <laughs> so, so the reason I'm gonna go back to Alfaro. It didn't work out because Alfaro was a left fielder disguised as a catcher. <laughs> he was a catcher at a left field. You get it? <laughs> All right, my bad, my bad. It was a <laughs> anyway. So, uh. I mean, I I I think Jacob Stallings is kind of giving me like if he comes in and he's got that Paulo Duca mentality, I think we'll be good. You know, Paulo Duca wasn't a guy that was known for like hitting a lot of home runs and nothing like that. I actually projected like I did like a little little way too early mock of my opening day lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And I got I got Stallings batting ninth, and I project him to have ten home runs on the season. You know, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit much. It is Lone Depot Park. You know, but maybe he hits fucking thunder out in the road. Man, I was trying to keep it PG, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what but, I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting uh, at with Stalin. It's like you give him 10 home runs. He hit, okay, so he had eight last year, and that was his career high. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's the thing about him offensively is he's really consistent uh, year after year after year. His last three years, he's been the exact same hitter, really, in each of those years. But last year was the very first time that he played a full-length Major League season. I spoke to him about this when they held uh, the introductory presser right before the lockout about how he'd never played this much baseball in a year before. Like, this was something brand new for him last year to be that full-time starter for a Major League team and how his body was holding up. And so he seemed pretty like confident that he could do the same thing next year. Uh, that's kind of what he's supposed to say is that he's, he's ready to, like, fill in the lineup every single day if necessary – but you know the track record isn't really there and like you just look at a lot of the balls that he hits you know overall he just it's it's kind of discouraging it just he does not seem like a guy that hits the ball hard he's a guy that's really satisfied with his singles and there's some value to that you know that's going to be certainly compared to somebody like Sandy Leone where where Sandy Leone he really pushed the limit right in terms of what people can tolerate as offense from the catcher position like people were saying all the right things about sandy leone and how well he worked with people and like all the intangibles that he brought but he was one of the worst offensive players in the league 
um, because of his whole package. You know, he he hit a buck eighty every single year, and with no power. And like Stallings is is better than that, but there are you know some similarities where uh, even on his best days, he's I wouldn't count on I'd I'd probably forecast like five home runs for him. Uh, you know, that's another way of saying it is that I think he's really near the bottom of the scale in that hitting department, especially if he's going to be catching like five games a week that that's going to wear you down is that's what I'm worried about is him just wearing down from all the defensive responsibilities. And from the fact that Marlins at the moment, you know, they don't have an established backup catcher, but they have some decent options as long as we'll see what they do with, uh, between Nick Fortes and Alex Jackson and Peyton Henry. Like, I'm actually really interested in that battle for the backup spot this time because they really haven't had much of that the past few years, like a competition for that final catcher spot. And this time they have three guys and they're all young. All those guys are still in their mid twenties and Fortes really lit it up in this small opportunity last year. He's the one that I hope wins out. He's the one that I think sooner than people think that he could be actually eating into a lot of Stallings playing time. I think it could be closer to an even split of playing time. If Nick Fortes does what he's capable of, um, I, I'm worried though, you know, about them riding with Alex Jackson just because they made that trade for him. They don't want to look like idiots and get rid of him, you know, just a few months after <laughs> into the ball. We've seen them do that in the past. That's the one thing that, you know, getting back to, you know, our overall thoughts about the Kim Ang era, um, that's what drove people crazy last year in 2021 is that they stuck with. They're playing Brinson every single day, even once he cooled down. They were keeping Mags on the roster throughout the entire year, even though it was you know clear that he wasn't bringing anything to the table. And then when it was time to get rid of Alfaro after the trade deadline, you know that was like the time to say um, to say goodbye to him. It was clear that he was not helping them win, that he didn't have a future with the team, and yet they rode with him the rest of the year in that stupid left field experiment. That this team in the past, you know, when they make mistakes that they are stubborn. It's been a stubborn front office uh, in recently that goes both before Kim got here. And especially this past year with, with her in charge, they don't, they, they are really hesitant to like admit mistakes, even when the evidence is piling up and they got to be better at that because you need to win all these little battles on the roster. You need to get something out of everybody on that roster. If they're going to be that surprise team. And if they are going to improve a lot from where they were this year. I don't have anybody. I don't project. I don't have any projections. I don't know what what this this little thing that we have here in front of us is. It's hard to see my eyes. I don't have the same vision anymore. I sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, this, this but, is the on our screen. I, I threw up the line of projection. This is from Roster Resource, where so their idea for what the I don't totally agree with it. The way they yeah. see it, based on the current rosters, they'd have Miggy leading off at shortstop. They'd have Jazz batting second in the lineup at second. Avi at in the three spot playing right field okay. Aguilar in cleanup playing first Jesus Sanchez in left batting fifth then Brian Anderson they're they're not even assuming a DH so that's kind of the difference here is they're not yeah. assuming a DH and so they're squeezing Cooper to the bench right now and that gets you know if they do have a DH then they they think that Lewin is going to get sent down to AAA to start the year and that's that yeah. just goes back to the fact that I think there's going to be a trade somewhere or another because Lewin is ready to play every day and that there's some value to both coop and Aguilar, but to have all three of them on the roster at the same time is kind of clunky because you want that versatility, you know, the way that 
this projection goes, they see Wendell is obviously on the roster and Birdie is on the roster as well. And between those two guys and Birdie playing a whole lot of outfield, that that gives you a whole lot of options and some good options. I'm a big I'm on the birdie train. I think he's going to bounce back quite a bit from where he was last year. That last year he got kind of unlucky. And unfortunately, we just didn't get to see him on the field the whole second half. But that's anyway, you slice it. They still need that one more. They still need one more hitter and probably in the outfield. I just don't know how they're going to get it. They're going to have to make whether it's reach out to the Orioles or reach out to the Diamondbacks about Cedric Mullins, about Cattell Marte. Like they're they're big players on hit up the nationals, teams. hit up the nationals. I want Soto. Yeah, you want you mentioned this before we got on the show about, about Give me. Soto. I think you you uh I guess what you're with Peter Pratt on this. He's the one that's been hysterical about Juan Soto to the Marlins. You want to make your case about how Give they possibly come together? Give him any three pitches you want. Any, any three, any three. Look at that. And somebody would be like, oh, no, only two, only two. Any three you want from the major league roster, do it. Sandy might be gone. Pablo's gone. And who else are you taking? Trevor Rogers, Taylor, or uh, Trevor Rogers, or, or Jesus Luzardo, or Sixto Sanchez. You can have Edward Cabrera. You can have Max Meyer. Who do you want, man? Sammy Juan Soto. All right. He's on a, he's on a, we're sending a jet. Yeah. When you brought this up, what I went to is, looking at Soto, what he's done in the big leagues and comparing him to Miguel Cabrera and what Miggy had done when he got traded. That was, there've been a lot of big trades that the Marlins have done in the past, a lot of unpopular trades. I think that one takes the cake. Isn't that, that takes the cake as the one that they regret the most, right? They that's broke the my most, heart. That's the most painful one. And that's the one that pretty quickly they, they realized they made a mistake and every, we're now 15 years on and he's still playing and he's still breaking records and like padding his Hall of Fame case. He's not here. And, I think there are some similarities between them, to be honest. Like you dive into it, and Soto is he's younger. He broke in younger even than Miggy was when he broke in. I think he's better. I think he's a little bit better than even Miggy was at the time. So when you're talking about what's gonna take to make that trade, you know, Marlon's got what five or six players in return for Miggy. That included uh, a couple of guys at the time who were premium super prospects cameron maven everybody loved cameron maven he was going to be that five tool center fielder and he had a, that was a lot to give up for the tigers to give up him to give up andrew miller to give up a few other veteran pieces around them i think it was, that, was there's there just like, not a lot of history of these guys getting traded because they are they're that special because they're that hard to replace and keep in mind that they also threw Dontrell willis in there they did at a time when he was coming off a bad year, though, and I think he was more of a. As much as we loved D Train earlier, a couple of years prior to that, you know, at that stage he was kind of a throw-in. At that point, I yeah. So just to be, I think everybody that's listening to this, almost everybody that's listening to this, know it's is at least not now. It's not going to happen, but I understand why it comes to mind because the Nats they are is rough. You look at how they're setting up for next year that they. Yeah, at least for one year, that unless they do a whole lot once we come back from the lockout, that their team doesn't really have a chance. And as Soto gets closer to free agency, but I mean, really, the reason why it wouldn't work is because you know he's a Scott Boris guy, and with the numbers that he's putting up, he he's gonna wait until he gets a free agency. I think until he gets that 
really record-breaking deal. Like there are great players they could trade for, but Soto is at the top of the list of guys that are next in line to get paid at like a record-setting number. Five hundred million guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets you know half a billion dollars on his next contract. And you know, you know, deep in your heart that the Marlins are not going to be that team that ends up making that deal at that price. Why not us? Cue the Mike Hill clip. Why not us? <laughs> Damn, man, a man can dream. Be like, it's twenty twenty two, man. Why can't? Why do we have to have the mentality that our team's not going to do it? Come on, man, let's make a fucking splash. I already said it once. I can say it twice. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't. Uh, I, I, I forget what was the name of the page again. That's doing this projection. This is from Roster Resource, and uh, I, I threw up the pitchers here. I wanted to at least uh, mention the pitchers a little bit while we're that, on here. I'm a, I love, I love what they have at least in their rotation. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the 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 Acon. All right, the Acon projections. All right, here we go. It's mine. I got Jazz at second base projecting 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases. All right. We got uh, batting second, shortstop, Miguel Rojas. I got 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases for the guy. All right. Batting third, Don Madley's not going to agree with me, but what the hell? This is mine, not his. All right. <laughs> I got Jesus Sanchez in right field, 25 home runs, 90 RBIs. All right. Uh, batting fourth. Avisel Garcia in left field, 20 home runs, 85 RBIs. We got Aggie at DH. He has the same numbers, 20 home runs, 85 RBIs. You got Coop at first, 15 home runs, 70 RBIs. All right. And I put BA in this starting lineup, in this opening day lineup, but I put needs to bring A game if it's versus a left handed pitcher because BA hasn't been all BA. You know, versus left-handers, he's he hasn't been himself, so he needs to get it together. If not, we got to get Joey Wendell in there, give him the opportunity. That's the, the beauty of having a guy like Joey Wendell in there, left-handed bat, nice option. Uh, after him, I got Mr. Brian De La Cruz out in center field, batting eighth. I got 15 home runs for DLC. Not 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 putting too high a ceiling. You know, what I'm saying it's something that he can achieve, he can do. Um, and then rounding it off, you know, Jacob Stallings, 10 home runs, baby. That's it. That's it. If he hits 10 home runs, we did it. We don't need we don't need the guy to be all star caliber top ten offensive catcher. If the guy does minimal and he's doing great things with the glove and the arm, that's the same thing. People can compare it to like a uh an Alex Gonzalez. I know it was different positions, but every time Gonzo would come up and bat, it's like damn, Gonzo's either gonna strike out or he might strike goal and hit a double or a home run. You know, that's hit or miss with, with Gonzo and that's the beauty of baseball. Not everybody has to be a great offensive player. Right. But so that's that's where in this situation that I see it differently because based on the guys that they currently have, I got fingers crossed that they make one more big trade or one other free agent deal. Like some people have mentioned, they, there's some free agents still out there. And Michael Conforo and Kyle Schwarber, who you put in the corner spot and you shift somebody else to center field. Like there are a lot of. Who you put? Who you putting? In, hold on a second. Who are you putting out in center field right now? We're talking about the the Marlins outfielder. Yeah, you got Brian De La Cruz. You got Avisel Garcia, Jesus Sanchez, Gary Cooper. Who's the fast? I'm not gonna put Magnier Sierra in it because we know he's the fastest one out of all of them. But out of those four guys that I mentioned, who's the fastest one right there that you think is gonna man Lone Depot Park that is unnecessarily too big? Well, what's crazy is that Avisel is. 
of those guys, he might be the, the well, Birdie is the fastest one, but he's the one that, um, the he's one not going to be, not he's really, not going to be, yeah, he's not, not going to be really the opening guy. And he's not mm-hmm. really, as much as I like him, uh, you don't pencil him as an everyday player. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on what they currently have, it would be for me, uh, at the moment, you, you put Jesus Sanchez in left and Brian De La Cruz in center and obviously El Garcia in right. I'm, I'm assuming that if they make some type of trade to get like a, 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 cor- a new corner bat, that the next guy, if, if Brian De La Cruz gets bumped out of that starting lineup, then the next guy you would slide in there would actually be Avisail because he's the one that did play a lot of center field in 2020. I looked this up and it was hysterical that he is like the fattest guy, the heaviest guy to ever play center field on a consistent basis in the majors. He was weighing in, uh, I need to pull up the number, like about 260 pounds or Get more. Get out of town, man. During the 2020 season, he was overweight. Um, he wasn't expecting to be a center fielder. He got pushed into it kind of by default with the Brewers. They didn't have anybody else, and he didn't do great out there. Uh, he moved for- around well. So- so you're telling me you're telling me in football terms when people are listening to football, we had a center out in center field. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, I said it on 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 the Twitter spaces when we signed Garcia and everybody was all happy and everything. Hey, I'll take this guy on in a foot race. I'll take him on. We'll go from first uh, from home to first and I'll beat him out. No, he that's not <laughs> He's always been He's always had, like, for his size, he's always been really fast. It's just it's other finer details about how to play the position that I don't think he really has. He, he's fine there in an emergency. And I do it's think that's, like, a part of the reason. The team actually believes that a little bit. I think that's part of the reason why they signed him to a deal that was not people. A lot of people were expecting him to get a four-year guaranteed deal, the fifth-year option at the end. They did that because um, they, they liked his – his athleticism. He does have a legitimate athleticism that they think can help them in that department. But that being said, with the team as it's currently constructed, that as much as I like the pitching staff a lot at the moment, like there's no combination of pieces to me that gets this current team in the playoffs. Do you agree with that based on what they currently have? Yeah, we definitely need, we have a, we have a hole, big hole that we got to take care of. Like, all those guys that I projected in my in the Acon lineup, none of those guys had a, over 100 RBIs projected. Right. You know, so it's like you also got to take into account the type of team that you have. The yeah, Aguilar, yeah, Coop, yeah, Garcia. You know, um, Sanchez. They're all nice bats and everything, but these guys like they're not gonna hit for like uh, over 30 home runs. Nobody's gonna hit over 30 home runs, and if they do, I'm gonna be holy crap surprised. Right, and this gets me to what you were saying a few minutes ago that I meant to respond to about Stallings and how he doesn't need to be anything more than just a defense guy. My my thinking is that on this team, he, he, there, as currently constructed, there is the pressure on him to be more of an all-around player because there's not enough from the supporting cast to like pick up the slack, that they don't have enough offense from those other positions. They have good, sometimes man, they, they have a lot of solid guys at those other positions, but you add it all together and it's just, it's still going to be below average. They were terrible at scoring runs last year. They're improved, but not enough. They're still exactly the gear that they have to go to. And any way you switch around these positions, the only way that they like get to that gear is if somebody breaks out, if jazz, uh, 
there's like this thought of Jazz as being that emerging superstar. He he didn't look like it totally on the field last year. Um, he struggled for a big stretch of last year, and he put it all together. He was fine. If he's a guy that has the potential to take a leap forward, and they have like they have a really interesting cast of next man up in the minor leagues. They have people know about JJ Bladay. People will soon know about Peyton Burdick, who had a great year, and he has great power potential. He's built a lot like. Uh, I guess he's a shorter version of Avi Garcia, where he's, he probably, I'm curious to see how much he weighs. He is all the way filled out, but he's like six feet tall. He has some Josh Willingham in him. I, I compare him to another, the hammer. Yeah, another hammer, um, potentially, if everything goes together. And we'll see him in the majors later this year. Like, It would be could, great if he catches. <laughs> you could dream about these guys. Uh, like being reinforcements during the year and taking them to another level, taking a step up. But if they are really focused on being contenders from the start of this year, if they want to avoid getting off to a bad start the way that they did, especially in 2019 and even, even last year coming out of the gate really flat as well, and never digging themselves out of it, then yeah, they need to do more to make sure that they're ready because they're not totally ready to be that good team out of the gate next year because the offense is still too limited. Yeah, I still I, I got them. I like the improvements that they've made, but I still feel a little shortchanged. Again, I'm, I'm going to say being optimist and think positive, and you know, once we get out of the strike, Kim's going to keep rolling. She's hot, you know what I'm saying? She's hot at the crap table. So keep going, Kim. Uh, to go out there, get us a center fielder, and make it happen. Uh, but as 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 it stands right now, I'm I'm, I'm projecting our fish. Uh, call me an optimist, but I'm seeing finishing third. Uh, the Braves. World Series champs, we got to give them credit where credit's due. They're going to have to be the throne. They got a guy, some guy named Acuna coming back that, you know, a lot of fans dislike out here in South Florida. <laughs> well, for uh, the moment, they don't have Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is still out there in free agency. They're not going to let him walk, man. Come on, man. You think, he's, you think he's re-signing? That's all sent oh, absolutely. Come on, man. He's a, he's a Braves lifer. Come on. You don't think Chipper Jones is calling him, Johnson, everybody telling him, yo, my man, you did it. Where the hell are you going? You think his kid's going to allow him to go somewhere else? Get out of town, man. <laughs> um, what was that? What was I going to tell you? All right, so, yeah, so I got projected uh, as of right now. I got Braves, Mets, Marlins, Phillies, Nets, all right? Um, that's that's what I'm going with. Uh, I'm sorry if at times it sounds like I'm I'm critical of of the team, but if I'm critical, man, it's because I care. You know what I'm saying? I always think every time I say that, man, I think about Sergio Romo, man. I think about that first season covering the team and being in the clubhouse, and you, you think you're like you're a little bit nervous or something, or you're critical. You so you're critical and you're nervous because you care, and that's yeah. deep. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, if you want to be critical of something, you want to be critical of this team, is because we care. This fan base cares. You don't want people not talking about the team. Look at us, man. We're in the middle of a strike. No one can really tell. Look at the, the great job Fish Stripes is doing, huh, with this Marlins Jeopardy, all the content that we're providing, keeping everybody alive, pumping. You know what I'm saying? That baseball passion, enthusiasm into, into our hearts, into our veins. And that's the beauty of it. That's what's going to get us to keep it going until baseball season's there, man. Look at us. We're in January already, baby. A whole week into it. Spring yeah. training's right around the corner. You know what I'm saying? Now's about the time where everybody's going to go out and get, like, the clean cut. Look at you. I, I ain't getting no no cut yet. I haven't – like, me and the barber haven't made up yet, so I'm still, like, rocking hard with the long hair. But look at look at Eli. Eli's ready for spring training. He's got the clean cut. You know what I'm saying? He's shaved yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, and so, so you know, I'm going to stay positive. I know great things are going to happen. 
I feel like a barbecue's coming real soon, you know, and and I feel like our, our baseball is right around the corner. I feel like maybe these guys only need just one meeting, players union and the owners, and bam, they just do it. Well, you said you were going to be an optimist, and you're definitely being an optimist. <laughs> yeah, from the from the outset, you know, I'm still of the opinion that they get all settled without interrupting the regular season. What what I'm worried about is spring training. I'm worried about like them really eating into spring training and screwing up that schedule. And you know, for me personally, I was planning on flying down to spring training this year, and I, I can't book my tickets until I know you know what's what's going on and when players are allowed to report, you know, they could report to, uh, they could fly into Jupiter. They can uh, not allowed in the team facilities during the lockout, just so people understand, you know, how ridiculous this is. Actually the minor leaguers are all the minor league players, their season's going to go on as normal. And that's, that's, I guess that's one thing to remind people is that there's going to be baseball played this year. Um, we know it's going to be played in the minor leagues, of the, the question is, of course, at, at the highest level, and we know that this year is the most critical year yet for the Marlins to win at the highest level, at the major league level, and put it all together and uh, give the fans something to root for and show out for. And that's that's the other thing that um, th- there has been some bad luck, you know, with this rebuild overall. The fact that COVID struck when it struck and uh, kind of. That, that was supposed to be a big year for them too in 2020 and the, on all all the lingering effects that the pandemic has had in addition to collective bargaining man like i don't make excuses uh for the team but in in some ways we have an article that went up from from kevin barral about like grading the rebuild and like putting that in perspective and there it, it's been a really like it's been a couple of years in baseball that have been unlike any other these last <laughs> few years and it, it strikes at a time that when they put these plans together they had this five-year plan, right, for how the Marlins were going to look under new ownership. Project Wolverine that got leaked out to the Herald about Jeter's <laughs> plans for the revenue, for all the innovations they were going to uh, put out. And I, I encourage people to like re look at, reread that, and like see the details in there and how like how off they were, just because like real life comes at you, man. Like it, it's so much different than you can plan out, especially. Uh, the timing of this it has been uh it's gone way differently than anybody could hope for but just circling back to what you said we stay busy there's at fish drives you know we breathe marlins baseball you know and even when that baseball's not being played um that's on our minds and that's we're gonna find ways to still enjoy it and still celebrate it with other people so we, we hope that's been working out and we hope that people appreciate that go to fishstripes.com we're doing our best for sure. Yo, man, you know what's funny? Real quick before we close this out, shout out to shout out to everybody on the fish stripe, the staff, man. I was laughing at uh when you said Kevin. And every time I think about Kevin now, hey, you guys quit bullying him, man. Quit telling him about Chuck E. Cheese and all this, man. <laughs> y'all y'all hit him with the Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> y'all quit doing that to my man Kevin, man. Yeah, he's a cool boy. <laughs> <laughs> we love we love Kevin. We do it because we know we can take it. He can take uh, it. <laughs> it's all right, Kevin. We'll get you a, a happy meal, man. Opening day. I got you, my dog. <laughs> anyway, man, uh, it's good to be back out here on the waves talking Marlins baseball, talking alongside Eli Sussman. I'm Alex Contreras. Thanks for joining us out here. Uh Eli, man, yo, cue the music. Do your thing and cue the music. Thanks for having me on again, man. Happy to see you and let's go fish, baby.